Welcome to MSP Power Up, where we talk about how even the best MSPs can be better. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get right into it. Hi, my name is Paul Izad, and I'm the founder of ServiceTree. In today's podcast, I'm going to cover a few elements of an MSP, and they're generally going to be related to the customer and ensuring that we can achieve customer satisfaction and also ensure that our customers are sticking around for the right reason. So the first part of this is SLAs. Now, it's interesting enough that I hear many times that MSPs don't have an SLA, which I find really uh, surprising. For the first part of it is, if you don't have an SLA, then how are your customers measuring you and how are they measuring if you're, you know, you're achieving what you're supposed to be doing? So a lot of MSPs um, are in the reactive position where they do things like have quarterly business reviews to ensure that the customer um, is communicated and get feedback from the customer. But a lot of those times, these QBRs are just really talking about the, you know, the statistics of what you guys have done as an MSP. What isn't generally covered is SLAs. And that's because a lot of MSPs don't have SLAs in place. And if they do have the SLAs in place, they're actually not measuring them in a quantifiable way. So the reason why an SLA is really, really important is that when push goes to shove, unfortunately, a lot of times a consumer is going to go and look at price to uh, define if the relationship or the products or the service is of value. I'm not going to talk about value uh, in this uh, podcast today. I've already covered it in another podcast. But in simple terms, if you're only being able to be judged based on pricing, then it's really, really easy for another um, MSP to come in and undercut you. And all of a sudden, all that hard effort you've you know put into place and all that hard work you've done goes out the door. So an SLA is a really, really powerful way to ensure that you have the uh, clear objective of what you're going to try to achieve and that from a customer's point of view they know what your goals are too. Um, mind you though this isn't a, um, a, a like an exit uh, out of jail card just because you got an SLA it doesn't mean that you're you know that you're all good to go. What I mean by that is having an SLA is actually holding you accountable and your organization just as much as it's holding the MSP's customer accountable for what you you know what they're supposed to be doing for you to achieve your uh, your targets. So one of the areas that an SLA uh, covers, um, well, I'll show that uh, it's you know it becomes quite powerful is how you're able to ensure that the customer is doing what they need to be doing as part of the relationship. A perfect example is tickets when they go on hold because of the customer. Um, it's really interesting because a lot of like business owners think uh, don't really think that their staff put a ticket on hold or their staff put um, a ticket into a position that the MSP cannot help them. I can tell you from my um, my MSP tickets that generally dragged on post you know 24 48 hours was generally because the customer didn't really care enough about the ticket. So might have been a case that. A staff member had an issue with a device, you've asked them to do something as simple as reboot the machine, and then they have never got back to you. 
Now, if you don't have an SLA in place and the SLA to cover things like, well, our SLA will stop when we require your um, the customer to do something and until they've done that, we really can't help you. Then it becomes very gray because when things don't work and that you know that team member of your customer complains, so uh, you know I've had this issue with my you know my device, our MSP is not helping us, they're really bad. It's really really great as to whose fault it is, and it's very easy for the um, the business owner of your customer to turn around and you know put your whole relationship in jeopardy just because of that. So that's one part of the actual equation. The second part of it is from a, a clarity of your team. They should also have objectives and goals as to what your team should be doing. Now, internally, you should actually be working towards OLAs and not SLAs. So an SLA is a service level agreement, uh, which is generally what's going to be communicated between the customer and yourselves. Um, and the OLA is generally going to be used internally within the organization being the MSP and that stands for an operational level agreement. So an OLA is, uh, has to be achieved internally for you to be able to achieve your SLA. So in a simple term, if you've got an SLA of eight hours to resolve, um, let's just say a password reset, just I, I know that's a really ridiculously long time, but just so I can use it for something simple, then your OLA internally might be one hour to get the ticket allocated, two hours to get the ticket worked on, you know, three hours buffer, so that way it's made sure it's been resolved. So OLA is just as important, and that's enough of the figures or the statistics that you internally should be measuring within your team. The second element I wanted to talk about was the seesaw effect. Now, when I talk to, um, to businesses and I'll talk more about my MSP side of the, um, uh, you know, my MSP side of what I do. Um, I always talk about the seesaw when I talk about something that might mean the customer has a different view of uh, of what I I see, or maybe in sometimes the customer has received other information from another source or maybe from another vendor. So, you know, I've I've been into I've been in many situations where. I have, um, you know, I've got a customer in play or maybe even it's a new opportunity and I will, you know, look at the actual requirements of what that customer is trying to achieve and based on that, I will say this is what we should be doing. Now, it's not uncommon that another person, another organization has, uh, has put their two cents into the picture and maybe they've um, bid for the project, the job, or maybe they've just had a conversation and I've seen it many times where you look at what's been proposed and you're like, this is a big overkill for what we really need to do. Um, I actually had this happen in the last 24 hours with one of our uh, prospects in my MSP. Um, they had another organization that was uh, um, that was trying to put wireless uh, access points into this business and they wanted uh, an engineer to come out and do a site survey for wireless access points. Yes, a site survey by an engineer. Now, this wasn't a complicated building. This is uh, an office space that was, what is it, about 30 feet by 120 feet. It was nothing, you know, like, I, I would have thought a 15-year-old a kid could work this one out. And I was like, you know, this is what we're gonna do, this is where the access point should go. 
and um, and you know Bob's your uncle and she's like oh but you know this we had another organization that came out and suggested that they should do a site survey and a network survey of the environment and um, so why wouldn't you do that and, and I, my simple answer was we can do that but why do you need that like when I looked at the environment I'm like I can and this is the example the seesaw this other organization um, was going to put a lot of time energy and effort and money into it so the seesaw the cost was really high and the I, I could have imagined without even seeing that I mean seeing what the results were going to be the whole project to put two simple wireless access points was going to be very high the other side of the seesaw was that the output would have been you know a hundred percent um the best that could be right because they would have had the access points designed specked out exactly where it would be for the best coverage maybe not two access points they might have even made it three or four um, and so the seesaw down the bottom part of it was the risk or the uh, possibility of things didn't work exactly to plan so in that example the seesaw is the cost time and energy is very high the risk is very low and that same seesaw effect can work with just about anything. Um, when you think of a um, an insurance policy for a vehicle, right? So, you know, like everything, you can get cheap insurance policies and you can get very expensive insurance policies. No difference to even travel insurance, right? Now, actually, I might use travel insurance because it might be a simpler one to, um, to, to use. But, you know, you can go and if you've got a, um, a travel policy that... Is to go into Europe and you might find the difference between a basic one and a very expensive one is generally going to be two or three times as expensive now again if you look at the policy the most expensive one covers everything like you know it would more than likely cover if your wife broke their fingernail right um, but the cost is extremely high but the chances of something not being covered is extremely low on the other extreme you might go to a totally really really cheap entry-level um, policy and that policy the cost is really low because it covers very very little and there's as you know as many loopholes in the actual policy as you know you've got um, availability of utilizing the policy uh, so therefore the the cost is very low but the risk or the chances of something not working is very high so it's not always going to be the best idea to go for the most expensive and therefore the lowest risk but it's always uh, it's almost always not a good idea to go for the cheapest way and the highest risk so when I talk about the seesaw it really goes back down to that and with the um, the, the uh, prospective customer that I spoke to in the last 24 hours I said that to him I said listen I can put two access points in here based on you know we've done wireless access once before we've you know we've done that it's not something that's very hard in this environment I can put one over here one over here the cost is X um, and will be done and dusted you know pretty simple and or you can go down the other route I don't even know what the other guys are going to charge you but I can imagine that it's going to cost a lot more so as I said to the guys I could I could realistically if we needed to do a network um, survey and all that kind of stuff but the cost would outweigh the, the benefit. Likewise, the reason why we were actually doing that was at the moment they were using the Wi-Fi um, built into their router. So, and the router was in, um, 
in one corner of the building and so down the other side of the building they really had very very poor coverage and as I said to them that's exactly back to the seesaw effect that is the cheapest thing you've got so the cheapest thing is to spend no money so the seesaw is down the effect or the things that you know the chance of things going wrong is quite high because your coverage is going to be quite limited and it's exactly what they were experiencing they were experiencing it sometimes throughout the building they would have no wireless coverage they could be in the meeting middle of a team's meeting or a video call and it would drop out um, so that is where the seesaw the cost is down the risk is high the other extreme is what the other um, organization was was suggesting that they do the cost was going to be high the risk was going to be very low and that's when I said to them listen this is what I would do I'd put two access points in there we're not using uh, we're going using you know quality network um, access points that are designed to be you know fully managed and the and you know without even knowing what the other organization was doing I was gonna say the chances are the cost is going to be in between doing nothing and the other organization so that seesaw effect is quite useful um, and in all honesty what I find is when I'm that open and communicate it to the customer they very um, they very much appreciate it so this organization um, hasn't chosen um, a MSP yet they haven't had an MSP they had an internal staff member doing their own stuff uh, but they uh, they came across us for another one of our customers and I said to him, and I and I just laid it out the line. I said, "Listen, I said, you know, you're currently doing nothing. This is the this is the effect you've got. You can go with the high end version, which is to get a full network uh, audit done, uh, doing site survey and all that kind of stuff, or you can do the middle of the road." And it was really it was really encouraging because you know he at the end of it he's like, "Do you know what? Thank you. That gave me a lot of comfort about how you guys do what you do." because you're not just trying to take all my money and spend it. And I'm like, no, for me, it's more important that I spend your money like my money. And everything I do, I always look for the, you know, the seesaw effect. I'm not gonna go for the uh, most expensive of something just because it's the most expensive. I will generally not go for the cheapest of something um, unless it's something like for, you know, for personal use that didn't really matter if it worked or not worked. I'm somebody that always looks at the balance of it. Where's my um, where's the where's the highest value of what I'm going to achieve and the last element I wanted to talk about in today's podcast was why do our customers stick around right and this one's really linked back to the first two we need to be able to educate our customers not from a te- not from a tech point um, I, I totally believe we shouldn't be trying to educate our customers from a tech uh, from a tech point we need to be able to educate our customers as to why they should utilize us and what value we're going to bring to the table. So again, I'm not going to talk about value because I keep using the word value, but I've got another podcast that I cover that, and I've, I personally believe it's a very, um, it's a very powerful, um, uh, a very powerful message. And I always talk to people and I explain to them what I mean by the word value. Um, but it is really important for our customers to understand why we should you know why we should be there and why they should utilize our services so an easy way to do that is you know as I mentioned educate them as to you know the value proposition of what you do um, what what's good and what's not good but please don't go in there and expect them um, to spend a lot of money with you unless you've actually got integrity in what you say and what you do for me the biggest part of that is do what you say you'll do 
um, practice what we preach and more importantly show them that you do um, want to see everything that you do is valuable to them I as I said before is I wouldn't do something um, that I wouldn't offer our customers to do something that I wouldn't do myself I put my money where my mouth is at the same time and I'm always spending my customers money like it's my own and that is a really powerful message um, to, to convey to your customers now those messages is not about talking right you can say that stuff and not deliver it and it gets burnt very very quickly your integrity goes out the door um, and people will not um, will not be impressed when you know you try to get them to do something the way you want to do those kind of things the value you're showing to your customer is a lot more uh, compelling when you're able to show that message through your actions right and so for me I enjoy what I do. I enjoy my MSP side of the business as well as service tree. Um, in the same way, I like showing um, our customers that we're there for them. We're there to empower them. We're there to show them value. And realistically, when we're not, I would walk away from it from a um, from an opportunity. Um, just like I was speaking to a a small MS. She wasn't an MSP. It was an IT department um, yesterday and. I, you know, within the first few minutes, it was very evident that Service Tree wasn't the right product for them. And I didn't even try to sell it to them. I said, listen, I'm not even going to show you the product because it's not the right product. The problem that you're trying to solve, we don't solve because that is not in our wheelhouse. Um, but I spent the next 15, 20 minutes talking about trying to understand why he left his previous um, PSA, which wasn't a PSA, and why he moved to his current one and now why he was trying to do all these add-ons to get his new one to do what his old tool was doing and and I said to him listen as much as you're doing what you're doing it's not gonna it's not actually achieving your goals I you know I would um, cut, cut your losses and go back to what you're doing because the problem that you're trying to solve is not a problem that any of these tools you're planning on using is gonna is gonna help you um, and do you know what service tree is not the right product for you anyway so um, at the end of the call he was really appreciative I, I gave him you know knowledge to to help him you know the chances of him being a customer of service tree in the next five years is extremely low you know while he's working in that company but for me, it was being able to give this, you know, this guy some value in his time and my time, and give him a position that he's now a bit more educated to know what he needs to do. So, you know, they what goes around comes around, and I think that's another way of sort of demonstrating how you're able to add value to your customer and achieve, um, you know, mutual success. So that's about it for today's podcast. Um, thank you for your time. Until next one. Take care and look after yourself. Thank you. That was Paul Azad, founder of Service Tree Connect, a powerful plugin that maximizes your PSA through time-saving ticketing and management processes. Until the next episode, remember to always power up.